What's up? It's episode 83, pain points of wealth and volatility is insane right now as we're teetering on a bear market. Crypto markets have melted down. Meanwhile, all those disruptive technology stocks are down 70%, 80%, and you've got more recession talk with every passing week as pessimism rules the day. What's really going on in the economy and in the stock market? We're going to give you our view, how to play it. We've got the plan. You've got to listen to it. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about all those burning questions you have right now, questions we got from our clients that are applicable to you so you can get the best plan for financial independence. Check it out. We got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, we had another uh, very volatile week in the market. And uh, as we've been saying since January, this is a price adjustment to higher interest rates as a result of higher inflation. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish the thing would adjust and get it over with. Yeah, no kidding. You know, I've been taking calls from clients all week, talking to them for hours at end, trying to talk them off the ledge, keep them in the markets. You know, I get everything from, you know, the world's coming to an end. We have a terrible president. You know, things aren't going to get any better. And then this is the one. Well, I love that dichotomy right now. This is why they pay you the big bucks, Chris. So, you know, here's the smallest violin in the world. But, you know, people are saying it's, it's the worst it's ever been. I walk outside and Chris, you and I were in the airport in Atlanta the other day. And man, oh man, it doesn't seem like the world's in bad shape. It seems like, if anything, people are out going crazy when we could barely get through security at the airport because so many people were there. It's like the world's filled with life right now. People are out there traveling, they're spending money. And that doesn't look like me, like we're in some horrible, dire situation, like it's worse than ever. It's better to turn off the TV, turn off the news, and just walk outside, in my humble opinion. Well, my clients say they don't want to look at their statements, right? Is that on your list? Yeah, don't look at your statements in a down market. That's always a good strategy, Bob. But we need to know, right, month after month, what our portfolios are doing. Well, here's the funny thing. I was talking to a client of mine this week, and they're talking about a road trip that they're going to go on this summer in their RV. And they're complaining about you know, how the market's doing. They're complaining about the price of gas. I said, well, look, is that going to stop you from taking your road trip? And they said, hell no. We're still going to go. We got to go on vacation. We got money to spend. But it's so bad out there. It's called a revenge spending, guys. For a lockdown, we've been stuck at home for two years. So a lot of folks are out there getting spending, traveling, and that's going to ultimately help the economy. Of course, earnings came in with uh, 80% of companies reporting were above expectations. But, you know, the market's a discounting mechanism. That's all history. And what they're looking forward to is, you know, this inflationary spiral and the Federal Reserve raising rates. Now, one of the things that I think everybody should be really clear about, what the Fed says doesn't mean that's what they're going to do, right? Six months ago, inflation was transitory. Now we're going to beat it. Now we're going to raise rates 50 basis points at every meeting. They don't have to follow a script. And I think the Fed, believe it or not, has done a really good job. Well, they're giving themselves max flexibility. And the media makes you feel like they're just like blind and they're just going to make one bad decision after another. And I think that narrative, to your point, Bob, is incorrect. The other thing I would mention here is, you know, we've had this huge price correction. You know, markets have teetered on a bear market. If you're in technology stocks, you're in a bear market, depending on the market, you know, whatever. But, you know, this reminds me of back in 08, 09, Bob, you know, you and I remember talking as early as 2007, like you kind of knew 
that we were in a housing bubble because you would just see these huge developments in the middle of nowhere and they were vacant, right? Like nobody was in these houses. So when you saw the burst of the housing bubble, finally, it wasn't that big a surprise. You know, I think it's interesting now is, you know, you're hearing about recession, you're hearing about how horrible things are, but you're not seeing the anecdotal evidence when you walk outside your door like you did back in 08 and 09 or before 08 and 09. Well, the cost of materials have gone up to a ridiculous level. And I tell you guys down in Florida, especially in Naples, literally the prices have doubled in two years. And now you're starting to see prices on the market. People are just getting ridiculous. Like asking, let me ask you stupid numbers, see if he's dumb enough to pay me for it. So I think you're going to start to see a little pullback in prices. But meanwhile, the cost of building a house, which spiked dramatically, starting to come down. A lot of people aren't noticing, but copper's starting to drop in price. Lumber's coming down. Steel's coming down. So I think the Fed's starting to have some impact already. Doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean we hit peak inflation. And you shouldn't build your portfolio based on trying to time these things. Well, you know what? Even with prices going up, if you look at it from the perspective of the portfolio, it's a good thing. You know, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, you know, again, very concerned about what's going on in the markets and just pointing out like, hey, you know, you generate a lot of cash flow in your portfolio. You know, companies are going to pass that big price increase onto their customers, which makes the companies more profitable. So in the long run, that's going to make your portfolio look a lot better. No, that's a good point. Historically, stocks are a great inflation hedge. And in fact, we've seen these tightening cycles before. And we saw this not that long ago. You're talking about like the short-term memory of investors in the market. But in 2018, the Fed raised interest rates. They started to tighten. And I remember Christmas Eve, you know, the market it was down almost 18% from its peak. People were freaking out. We thought it was the end of the world. And it, as we all know, from 2018 past that year, you know, markets went off to the races. They just ramped. So, you know, we could be seeing the same thing right now where all the tightening, all the adjustments are getting priced into the market, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, we might just be clearing everything out for another big bull run because last time I looked, there's still trillions of dollars on the sidelines trying to figure out where money should go. And if you're earning nothing on your cash right now and inflation is like eight, eight and a half percent, you know, you've got to make sure that you've got to get your money working for you. Just another reason why money at some point is probably going to funnel back into the stock market. Hey, Chris, you know, Ryan and I did that fireside chat last week, and I hope everybody who's listening to this today takes time to, you know, listen to the recording. But I can't tell you how many clients called me up and said, Bob, I just thought Ryan was a perma bull, and he's bullish all the time. But then you showed the statistics of how the market in the last 42 years closed up 80% of the time. It's actually 76% of the time. And in every single one of those years, there was a drawdown, you know, a pullback somewhere during the course of the year. You know, a lot of you don't remember, 2018 was a horrible year. We had a drawdown of 20% and you still made money. You know, 2020, we had a huge decline of 35% and you still made money. So you know what? Ryan isn't a permit bear. He's actually making predictions based on history. Everybody was shocked at that. Well, first of all, I take issue with some of the comments Ryan made. You know, he was making fun of me during that call and he muted everybody so I couldn't respond. But that aside, that's okay. I'll let it go. But, you know, to your point, Dad, I was looking at some performance numbers for a client the other day. And this particular client had pulled out of the market and uh, looked at some clients that stayed in and their performance of the people that pulled out was actually a lot poorer. You know, they lost almost 7% just as a result of trying to time the market. Yeah, that's the whole problem with these volatile markets because it feels so rational. Hey, just can I just sit in something that doesn't go down until it's over and then we'll just kind of work our way back in? That sounds like, oh my God, so rational. But you know what? It's irrational. It means you got to make two perfect timing decisions. Just think about it, guys. A week ago, we had a market that was up 900 one day, down 1,000 the next. And you're going to tell me that somebody is smart enough to time that perfectly? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those 
old uh, fallacies about the market that there's somebody out there that just plays market god, right? And knows when to get in and when to get out. And we know it's virtually impossible. You know, the other thing I want to mention here too is I think there's this misconception that like every market is down big, there's nowhere to hide. That's actually not true. If you break it down, it's really just growth stocks. They're in a horrific bear market, right? They're down like 25, 26% as we're recording this. Disruptive technology is down like 70, 80%. When you start talking about like Teladoc, we mentioned that last week. You look at Zoom, you mentioned all these winners of 2000, which have just gotten like destroyed. And of course, cryptocurrency, which we warned about week after week. Finally, it's coming to roost where you're seeing some of these cryptocurrencies collapse. But meanwhile, you know, in our portfolio, we have value stocks. They're barely down for the year. Commodity prices are up over 30% in our portfolio for the year. So this also speaks to you never know what's going to happen in the markets. You've always got to be prepared. You always have to have your money spread out because when the music stops, man, it ain't pretty. And we just saw that in the last couple of weeks. And we saw most of your portfolios have been over-concentrated in the wrong area. Not all markets are reacting the same right now. Well, here's the greatest, guys. So this just reminds me over and over why we have the strategy that we use for ourselves and for our clients, why we don't buy individual stocks because an individual company can go to zero. Markets never go to zero. You know, we have dividends and interest in your bond portfolio. You earn interest, accrue interest every single day, whether interest rates are up or down. And remember, your bonds come due at par, so you can't lose on your bonds if you stay invested. Dividends are paid every quarter. Our pipeline's just one ex-dividend. All of our clients are getting cash next week to reinvest. Now, just put on your logical hat. Do I want to buy low with that cash that comes in, or do I want to buy high? I mean, it's common sense. You know, you just have to take advantage of the volatility. You have to stick to your strategy, because if you stick to your strategy, all good things happen. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 83, Pain Points of Wealth. And if you like our content, love our content, we have over 80,000 downloads. Thank you for the support, but give us some love. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like it. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to discuss, anything financially speaking. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe. And if it's on YouTube right now, you can click the subscribe button, click that like button, and click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of our new content. The more you support us, the more we can create this content. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Chris and Bob, you know, Bob and I did our conference call for our clients about a week ago, which we'll put the link down in the bottom here so you can check it out later if you want to see it. And we had a lot of questions come in for our clients, and we have over a thousand clients. We manage around a billion dollars in assets, and we had a lot of people with the same concerns. So I thought we could discuss some of the bigger concerns right now that most of you probably have and probably need to address for your financial independence plan. And the first question that came in was, why are stocks and bonds both down right now at the same time in this crazy market. Should we maintain a 60% stock, 40% fixed income or bond ratio or move to a 70-30 ratio or something else? What do we do here, guys? Well, first of all, the comment came in with, by the way, Aaron Dessen is a great advisor. And he is, I agree. Aaron does a phenomenal job. He's one of our CFPs at Payne Capital Management and we, we really treasure Aaron. But you know, the tipping point is simply this. You have to have an asset allocation. Over the years, how many times have we heard from our clients? You know, guys, what you do isn't sexy at all. It just plain works. And it works because we invest based on your goals, not based on what we think is going to happen. Well, the other thing, too, is a misconception to have a 60-40 portfolio. Because I always ask, like, what is that 60 made of? Are you just in large-cap U.S. stocks? 
you know, you want to have what we call diversity over different asset classes. Like you want to have commodity exposure. Like we mentioned, commodities are up this year. You want to have real estate exposure. So, you know, I don't think 60-40 is dead, but I think the 60 that you have shouldn't just be in large cap U.S. stocks. You've got to spread that risk out. And right now it's case in point, right? We mentioned this on the first part of the show today that you have this spectrum of returns. Not every market's trading the same right now, and you want to have your portfolio with a good mix. So it's not like you live by the sword, die by the sword, like many investors are at the current moment. You know, right? it's more than just 60-40, 70-30. You know, and I agree with you. It's got to be what's in that 60-40, 70-30, but it goes back to the basics. Why do you need to take risk at all? Right? You got to look at how much return do you need to overcome inflation and taxation to achieve your goals. I don't know about you guys, but if I can sit on the beach for the rest of my life sipping pina coladas, I don't have to worry about if I own Zoom or ARK funds or cryptocurrency, why wouldn't I do that? I know, at least at the casino, they give you free drinks. You know, if you're trading on Robinhood, you don't even get that, right? So it's true. It's true. And I think, you know, this is just a great reminder right now that when the music stops, there's no forewarning. Like, no one waved the flag to let you know that market conditions were going to change rapidly. And this is why you've got to be in check ahead of time, right? You've got to have your asset allocation in check before things happen. You've got to be proactive, not reactive. The next question that comes in, assuming a global recession is inevitable, does it make sense for a retiree to sell stocks in advance of the train hitting the wall? Or in other words, is this a correction or the beginning of a big bear market? Well, you know what, right? That goes back to you know, your point before, it's like, you know, when you have a diversified portfolio, you know, you want to be making strong proactive moves, not reactive moves. And in this case, that's a reactive move. And first of all, there's nothing inevitable that says that we're going to have a recession. You know, if you look at where supply chains are right now, you know, there's plenty of pent up demand. You know, there's just a lot of things out there that aren't recessionary. But the key here is, you know, you want to hold those companies. And when the markets are down, you don't want to sell them. You want to buy more, right? They, he who dies with the most shares wins, right? That's the whole adage here. Well, first of all, guys, it's too late. It's too late. We already had a global recession. It was 2020. And all we did was make money. I mean, it's just like, so what? If we, maybe we're going to have a recession, maybe we don't. Well, everybody who's listening to us right now lived through one in 2020, and your portfolios, even with this correction, are way above where we were in March of 2020. So you can't predict what's unknowable. You can't know what's unknowable. Predict what's unpredictable. You know, you've got to go with a process approach to your investing. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is like, you know, these headlines make you feel like it is inevitable. It's not right. Most economists actually don't think we're going into recession. But if you watch the news, you think it's a foregone conclusion and that's dangerous. That's why you never want to predicate your investment strategy based on what the headlines are, because they're usually wrong. Right. I mean, we're creating a half a million jobs a month right now. Wages are going up. And again, inflationary pressure could be coming down this year. This is a recipe for economic growth, not necessarily an economic decline. So you got to be really careful there because those headlines are very, very dangerous. And you shouldn't assume here that we're going into recession. Like that's not a foregone conclusion at all. And that's why you'd be really careful when you watch the financial media specifically. Right. I object to what you're saying about the media. They have accurately predicted the last nine to five recessions that we've had. And I think the pundits on TV have probably predicted like 20 recessions <laughs> and we've only had like five. Hey, guys, you know, one of the most popular indicators of a recession is an inverted yield curve. And the big mistake is you look at the two and 20s, right? You take the two-year yield versus the 10-year. That's not the inverted yield curve. The inverted yield curve you got to pay attention to is the three-month treasury versus the 10-year treasury. And right now, that's a 2% spread. The yield curve is extremely steep. There is no indication of a recession right now. So, Bob, what you're saying is the media lied again. Oh, my God. Well, you know, they want to sell advertisers. Not that they're lying. They're just not necessarily telling all the truth. Fair point. Another good question that came in on our 
conference call was, as the midterm elections approach, what influence will changing the majority party in the House and Senate have on the stock market? In my opinion, both parties are equally corrupt. It's probably true. Obviously, Biden and Harris will serve two more years with obvious dementia and her obvious incompetence. Well, we know where this listener stands. Yes, they definitely have a political view. And as we always say, don't confuse your investment decisions with your political feelings. But when we're looking at the market this year, the first half of the second year of a first-term president, the first half of the year, historically, you go back 100 years, it's always volatile. It's usually negative, but it usually ends up in a positive result. And one of the reasons for the negativity, and it's coming, guys, we're going to have tremendous campaigns, lots of advertising, both parties, maybe if there's a third party this time, they're all going to keep telling you, it's the end of the world as you know it, unless our party stays in power or we get power. So, you know, you're going to have all that negative information flowing your way, and that causes extreme volatility. But guess what happens at the end of the midterms? Nothing. The market continues going. The economy continues to grow. It's never different. It's almost always the same. Yeah, it really is. And you can remember when Biden was elected and before he was elected, you just heard so much talk about how that's just going to put the end to this economy. Markets are going to sell off 30, 40%. Again, foregone conclusion. And as we know, Biden did get in and the Democrats took over the Senate. They already had the House. And this was supposed to be an absolute market disaster, depending on obviously what news you're watching. But markets went straight up. So to your point, Bob, it's always better to keep your political beliefs on the sidelines when making investment decisions. All right, guys, next question comes in. At 64 years old, retiring in another year, what percentage of my portfolio should be in a very conservative vehicle? Well, first of all, guys, as investment advisors, uh, as fiduciaries, if I knew what the best performing asset class or investment was going to be for the rest of my life, I would never diversify. But guess what? I don't know what it is. The other point of it here too, Bob, is this is something that's very unique to you personally, right? The amount of risk you should take should be different than somebody else. And a lot of that has to do with what risk do you actually need? And I'm sure a lot of people that bought crypto here listening to this or bought Bitcoin, putting that in as part of their savings plan and just saw their savings get demolished are realizing that like, it's not worth taking unnecessary risk with money that you need to live on later. So I think when you build your financial independence plan, money you're saving for financial independence, it's all about risk management. And most of us don't do that. And we get hammered when these markets turn and do terrible things. Yeah, and ideally, you know, when you're talking about planning for the future and planning for retirement, you know, when you, as you get older, you want to have a more of an income-based portfolio. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't think Bitcoin's going to do that for us. You know, it's not just about managing your assets, it's about managing your emotions. You know, when I started at Merrill Lynch back in the 70s, we had a strategist named Dick Hoffman. And he's, every conference call, we had the squawk box. You know, you see that on TV now, but we actually had a squawk box. It was in the boardroom. We'd listen to it every morning. And Dick would get on. He said, you know, stocks will outperform bonds and bonds will outperform cash. So buy stocks, you know, which sounds great, right? If stocks do the best over time. Why not be 100% in stocks until you see your portfolio go down 40, 50, 60%. All of a sudden, you don't seem so brave or so smart. That's why diversification is critical to who you are emotionally to make sure that you stay invested, that you have some money to rebalance when the opportunities present itself. You know, trees don't grow to the sky, nor do assets in your asset allocation. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 83, Pain Points of Wealth. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But 
If you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you our total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We'll go through every holding that you have. We'll literally build you your own personalized financial portal and we'll hone in on every single financial issue that you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement, whether it's a diversification plan and you get hit hard here as markets are extremely volatile. We're gonna go through every holding and let you know if you're over-concentrated in any area. We're gonna look at diversification and we're gonna look at fees. Are you getting taken over the coals because Wall Street loves to sell you investments that have high cost, tax inefficient. We're gonna show you how to reduce costs on your portfolio, make it more tax inefficient, put together a full savings and income plan to make sure you're on track for your financial independence plan. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you, but even shock you. All right, Bob, from 1965 through 2021, Berkshire Hathaway shares, which Warren Buffett, we know, runs that company, generated a compound annual return of 20.1% versus the S&P 500's 10.5% a year return. And even over the last 20 years, Berkshire is still a percent ahead of the S&P 500 with a 10.3% annualized return versus only 9.2% for the S&P. Warren Buffett's still king, Bob. Yeah, he is, right. You know, it's the tortoise versus the hare. Back in 1999, he was highly criticized for not having money in all the uh, tech stocks that ultimately the uh, bubble burst and people lost all their money. And just a year ago, right, you had the meme stock, all these new investors that are on the Robinhood platform trading cryptocurrency and buying these meme stocks said that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, just two old cronies, don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. It's a whole new era. Well, look who's still standing. You know, Warren Buffett's net worth is an all-time record high, and they've lost all their money. Wow. It's amazing, right? They've got more wisdom with age. So, Bob, there's still hope for you. I know. Chris, some forecasters look for gold to reach 3,000 an ounce in the next two years. It's only at like 1,700 an ounce today. However, even at that lofty price, it wouldn't be as high as in January 1980 when gold peaked at $875 an ounce in inflation-adjusted terms. So therefore, gold has to go to 3,200 an ounce just to get back to where it was in 1980, inflation-adjusted. Sounds like a lousy investment to me. Well, you know, I've often heard that gold is a hedge against inflation. And to use uh, one of my favorite Bobisms, it sounds like more of a hedge against being wealthy. I think Warren Buffett went back to like Roman times and figured that gold barely has grown since then. But meanwhile, there's always a great gold commercial in between those financial shows that are convincing you that this is what you need to own. It's crazy. Anyway, Bob, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears has now sold 25 million copies around the world. So the biggest selling album ever recorded by a teenage girl and a milestone that will likely never be broken. According to most recent available documents, Britney is worth about $59 million. I thought she'd be worth a lot more, frankly. Well, you know, she would be if she'd have taken my call because I don't, didn't buy her album. Uh, don't really know a lot about Britney Spears, but I would like to help her manage her money. I do a really good job of it. And she definitely would have a higher net worth had she taken my call back then. And if memory serves, I think that's Ryan's favorite album. <laughs> I still have the poster in my room, right next to my Backstreet Boys poster, but maybe that's something I shouldn't disclose on the air. Chris, Epic Fall, Day Trader Armies have lost all the money it made in the meme stock era, nursing losses in 2022 that are worse than the rest of the markets. Amateur investors, the Reddit crowd, who jumped in when the lockdown began, have now given back all their once tremendous gains 
according to an estimate by Morgan Stanley. Well, this kind of reminds me of the day trading crowd back in the late 90s. But, you know, look at the bright side. At least they're learning about tax loss harvesting. You know, guys, every generation has to learn, you know. Once a generation, the sheep need to be sheared. Or just listen to our podcast and always make the right decision. Come on. You know, that's the obvious choice. Well, great show, gentlemen. Hope you enjoy episode 83, Pain Points of Wealth. Give us a like, five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, click that like button. Click that notification bell. Subscribe so you can be updated every week of all new content. We appreciate you. Have a great week. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. 